When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Total Screamers. Um, my name is Paul, and I'm the host today. And I'm joined by James. Say hello, James. Hi, guys. How are you? All good. And also by Deej. How's it going, Deej? Going all right, mate. Thanks. Good stuff. Um, so we're going to jump straight into it and start with what I think was the, the biggest news of the week was um, Conte going to Spurs. So obviously on, I think, Monday or, yeah, Espirito Santo was sacked and then Conte came in pretty pretty quickly after. Um, James, what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's a good move for, for Conte and for Spurs? I think last week were you saying you didn't want Conte at United? What do you think, think- now at Spurs? Um, I, th- I think he's a good short-term manager. I, I think he's kind of like Mourinho. He'll do a couple of seasons, maybe three seasons max, and then he'll either leave or get sacked. I mean, that's that's kind of his MO at the moment. Same as very similar to Mourinho. Um, I think he'll, he needs to get the sports players playing, which I think that's his ideal um, scenario. He'll he'll give them a kick up the arse like they're needing. Uh, he done it at Chelsea. Um, he might he might tinker with the formation like he done at Chelsea as well. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll get the guys working. Uh, Deli Alley not really known for his work rate. I think he'll uh, he'll be in for a bit of a shock. And Harry Kane after the last weekend, I think he's um, he's uh, another one in for a big shock with the work rate that Conte will demand, or he'll he'll, he'll quite happily drop him um, and put somebody else in. I think. Yeah. Did <laughs> uh, what you reckon? What um. What players do you think will find it easier under Conte and what players will find it harder? I think Son is going to have a great time under Conte. I think uh, he's he's kind of like the perfect player for most managers though, isn't he? You can tell he just loves his football and he's he always works hard and he's got the talent for it as well. So I think Conte is probably going to be the big winner. And I wouldn't be surprised either if we we maybe see Ndombele kick on again. He's had kind of weird relationships with managers at Spurs since, uh, since the Mourinho, the very beginning of Mourinho's tenure. Uh, yeah. And... A proven winner coming in who knows how to use the kind of player that Undumbele is. Uh, I think it's it's only going to do well for his career. But there has been news of of people coming in for him in January. So 
it'll be interesting to see what happens around Ndombele. Yeah, I think I was reading that um, he wanted to leave, I think, during the summer, but they, they didn't let him. He, like, he really hit form, I think, around Christmas last year, or coming up to Christmas. He was really good when Spurs were kind of in form as well, and then, yeah, it just dropped off again. Um, and what do you reckon with Eric Dyer, James? He's always someone people like to take the piss out of. Eric Dyer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Dyer's problem is he doesn't know. I think I don't think um, people know if he's a centre-half or a defensive midfielder. Um, I think he's more a centre-half at the moment, but is Conte going to want to play him there or is he going to push him forward to defensive midfielder role? Um I think I think he'll play. I think he'll play back three at Tottenham. I think Eric Dyer will sit um, in one of those back three positions. So I think I think Conte will totally change the formation. Play three central defenders and Dyer will be one of them. Um, but well, we'll time will tell. Fans will like that. They they're all about their attractive attacking football, aren't they? The Tottenham way. Yeah. And yeah, going to a back three is like completely anti that. Yeah, I mean, he done it at Chelsea, didn't he? He played, I think he got beat off Arsenal in his, one of his first games and then he completely changed the Chelsea formation, went to a back three and they kicked on and uh, pretty much beat everybody that was put in front of them at that, that time. Yeah, exactly. I think if the formation gets the results, then it's all good. But yeah, I think as Deej said, if the formation doesn't get the results, then like fans are quicker to kind of jump on his back. But yeah, I... I I don't know. Conte hasn't really failed recently anyway. Like in the past 10 years, he's always kind of done the job that he's been asked to do. But yeah, he'll obviously fall out and he'll leave in two or three years, I presume. But that's like any manager, no? Like not many managers stay stay for long. So I didn't think that should be a that should be an issue. And what did you... So going back to Nuno leaving, did you think that was a, that was a move that was coming? Or I thought it was, it was kind of harsh, but what did you think, Deej? Yeah, it was coming. I think the, the squad that Spurs have... Uh, is much better than the performances they've been giving. And you think of the reasons why they got rid of Mourinho. Uh, and then they brought Nuno in when they wanted a change of direction. And Nuno is essentially diet Mourinho. So <laughs> you, you're moving from one person who plays a way you don't like to another person who plays pretty much the same way. Uh, it's, cheaper. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't make much sense to me as a move. And I know there was talk of Conte going to Spurs in the summer and he turned down the job because he wouldn't be given the budget that he wanted. I wonder what's changed. I really do wonder what's changed. I wonder if Daniel Levy's just turned around and like opened the purse strings a little bit and been like, come on, Antonio, we've got a little something yeah. for you here. Yeah. What do you think, James? Yeah, I think it's got to be something like that. I mean, Nuno was what, 10 for the list or something for going to Spurs after the first few turned them down. Um, yeah, it must be, it must be, I've been promised a decent transfer budget to actually go to Spurs. Because um, I mean, right now they're not, they're, they're, they're an average team. They've got some great players, but they're not playing as well as they should be. Um, so I think he needs to bring in two or three players, and he's obviously been promised something uh, for him to take the job. Yeah, he said something like it was at the wrong time during the summer. But yeah, it probably is just he got more money. <laughs> that was like the underlying thing. Um, so yeah, moving on to another managerial job that was in the news. So the Newcastle job, um, it seemed to be given to Emery on Tuesday I think like all betting was off basically and then that's just turned around and I don't know if he's he's definitely not going or what's happening there and then Eddie Howe's being talked about now what do you what do you think Deej do you reckon Eddie Howe is the man for the job or like it's kind of a dead man walking job isn't it at this stage yeah you it really is I mean when you're gonna leave. yeah Newcastle could do a lot worse than Eddie Howe and uh, I heard 
uh, well, I read today earlier that uh, the reason Emery turned down Newcastle is because his contract had a re- would have had a relegation clause in it, meaning they could have sacked him for free if he didn't keep Newcastle up. Uh, and I, I believe that's the reason Emery turned it down. But I mean, Eddie Howe, his experience with Bournemouth lends itself really well to his to what he will be experiencing at Newcastle if he does get the job, which is essentially he's essentially got the same players there because Fraser's there, Wilson's there. It, like he knows at least a handful of the players, uh, and yeah. the quality that's at Newcastle right now is is pretty damn close to what Bournemouth were when he was uh, when he was managing them in the Premier League, and he managed to overachieve with them one season and then pretty much probably do what we expected him to do the season after. But I, th- I think they could do a lot worse than. Uh, and Eddie Howe for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, every, yeah, I know you said like the same players, but it's obviously a completely different club and everyone talks about how Newcastle such a huge club and a, a one club in the city sort of thing. Do you think it's too much pressure for Howe, James, or how do you think it will work out if he does take the job? Um, I, I, to be honest, I think it all depends if the fans give him time to do anything. Um, he's... And it depends on how much money that he's going to get in January. If he doesn't get a very big transfer budget, then I think Newcastle are really going to struggle. Um, if he's if he's allowed to bring in one or two players, then I think he could do quite well if he's given the time by the fans. But I think he's got again. I think he's going to be there two three seasons. He'll get them up to mid table ish, and then I think Newcastle owners will want to look for uh, that big name manager like an, an the player, player, it? yeah. Like a manager for the transition to get them from relegation threatened to sort of like yeah. knocking on the door of the top six and then yeah. get rid yeah. and like like City did like they brought in Mancini right and Mancini's not I don't think you'd ever have called him sort of like the top tier of elite managers and then there's others as well like like Pellegrini who's whose name's been around the scene for a long time until eventually Pep comes in and then it's like okay we're here yeah. now we're challenging rather than just a I mean Mancini won the league with City there's a chance. How might with Newcastle if he's here for a few seasons? I don't know how likely it is, but there's a chance. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think he'll get kicked out in in a, a season or two for uh, for somebody yeah. who's actually got a big name and can command proper Saudi money. Yeah, definitely. He'll get that stability. They'll be up there, kind of challenging mid-table, top half, and then he'll be out on his ear, and a, a bigger name manager will come in. Yeah, yeah, I think. I guess it's kind of a no-lose for how if he gets into Champions League, obviously he'll keep his job or whatever. But yeah, I think he kind of knows, or any manager would know their place nearly and know it's kind of, they got unli- not unlimited budget, but they get a lot of money to try their hand at a decent-sized club and see how it goes. Um, I but- wonder if uh, if the new owners of Newcastle are willing to buy into a project from a manager though, because say, say how does get the job and he exceeds expectations like much earlier than people thought. Say, uh, he, say he does take over in January, and, and the chances of this happening are infin- infinitesimally small. But say he does take over in January, and come the end of the season, he's seventh. That's a massive overachievement for where Newcastle are right now. But say that happens, do you think the Saudis turn around to him and go, "We're really impressed now. Let's build a long-term plan," or do you think they hold that? Okay, you're here as a transition manager, and we're going to replace you in a season or two anyway. I don't think his name big enough to have that long-term project. If it was a, an Emery, a Ten Hag from Ajax, I think maybe they'd, they'd look long-term. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Eddie Howe is going to be two or three seasons. I don't... Whether they finish in the top half, the top eight, the top six, I still think he's... Um, I think he's on a... Uh, he'll, get, he'll go. He'll go in the, uh, two or three seasons and he'll be 
replaced. Yeah, which would be a shame if it does yeah. overachieve for them. But set him up nicely for his next job, though. I guess. Oh, definitely. Yeah, might take the Celtic job next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was, yeah. was going to say. I think like Rogers might be that sort of manager that they'd kind of take and believe in his project, and he'd kind of sell them, and he has the experience to sell it. But I think how he obviously did wonders with Bournemouth, but it's not at the same level, is it, or where you'd think? Because he hasn't even played in Europe or managed in Europe even. So I don't think they'd really trust him to bring the club forward. Um, okay, I think we're just kind of talking about managers for the show so far. But, uh, last one, promise. Um, James, we all laid into Ollie last week and then had a bit of a better week this, this week. Um, so what do you reckon now? Do you think the corner is being turned and United are going to stay in the top four? Or um, um, last week? I think they beat a poor Spurs side. Um, uh, I think they'll get... If, if the same happens this weekend as it did against Liverpool, I think uh, I think Ollie's... Um, I think he could look at packing his bags sooner rather than later. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm a great fan of this new formation. Because, I mean, he's, he's bought Van de Beek. They spent two or three years chasing Jaden Sancho. Where do they fit into this? I mean, if he's playing the two up front and the three in central midfield... Jaden Sancho's a right or left winger. He's he's nowhere near that squad or near, nowhere near that first eleven. Van de, I don't know what Van de Beek has to do to get in that team. Um, because I'd have him before uh, Fred every day of the week. But uh, all he seems to like that Fred McTominay. Even even in the three man midfield, that's the two he had in there. Um, I don't know. And obviously Pogba suspended for this weekend, which is uh isn't going to be great. But uh, yeah. <sighs> I think, yeah, I think if, if Man City turn over Man United about four or five goals, I think there'll be serious questions asked uh, upstairs at Old Trafford. You'd think so, but I don't know. Ronaldo <laughs> might just pop up with a with a goal out of nowhere. Well, do you, you, don't you reckon that? I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page. I, I, I expect City to give United a spanking this weekend. Uh, I, I can't see United playing the defensive formations they've been playing the past couple of games at home against City. I don't think the fans would respond well to that. I think the stands would be full of uh, discontent if if that was to happen. I think at home they're going to want to see the uh, essentially a four three three. What Liverpool play, what City play, sort of at least loosely, uh, and going for it. I, I think if you sit back at Old Trafford as Manchester United, uh, that's a black mark against your name as a manager. Honestly, I think all these times already done, and it's now just a question of when, not if. I think uh, if he's especially if he doesn't get top four at the end of the season, I think he's gone. Um, but yeah, I, I can't pick a formation for you right now. I think it, I, what I would say though is centre-back pairings for United should be Varane and Lindelof for this game. Maguire should be nowhere near this this starting eleven. His, his performances over the past couple of weeks have been abysmal, like not even a patch on how he performed for England at the Euros. Uh, and I know he's coming back from like nursing an injury, but he's been coming back from that for like nearly... Is it two, two, three weeks now? Yeah. And it's taken yeah. him a long time to get his yeah. fitness back and back up to speed and, and to look comfortable on the ball. Like, easy way to beat United right now, let Maguire get the ball and then press him because he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> he will give you the ball. Um, but yeah, the, the midfield's a strange one as well, as was touched on. Like, Donny van der Beek has to be used somewhere. Like, he was what, what, nearly a £50 million player and he can't get into this squad. Granted, Fred was over £50 million. And if I'm honest, out of the defensive midfield the more defensive midfielders the united field uh, fred has been the one that's impressed me the most over the past few games i think 
uh, if they weren't left so isolated against Liverpool, Fred and McTominay, uh, Fred was a, a shout for United's best player that day. It, the energy that he's got, the desire to go and take the ball off people, granted his ability doesn't quite match his desire, but he was head and shoulders above anyone else uh, as far as amount of effort put in in that game. Uh, and I think that's that's probably the reason Fred gets picked so much is because of his energy, because of his willingness to run. Because I think that that's one of the biggest problems with this United team is nobody wants to do the running. You've got Ronaldo up front who never presses, he never tracks back. You've got players like Rashford, he's not really going to get back and do defending. Neither's Bruno, neither Sancho, neither's Greenwood. These are all players that are looking to score. And if you essentially play five strikers in a lineup and then leave your two centre defensive midfield midfielders isolated with a back four that's not up to par, you're asking for trouble. You really are. I can see United slipping out of top four this season. Yeah, yeah. I think with this, definitely with the attackers and how to defend, I think they're just not coached. I think it's just, it's not a simple job to coach them, but that's kind of what they need. Whereas you can see with, I think Liverpool and probably City is the easy example to show. Like like Aguero is never known for defending from the front, but he kind of changed his game. But um, yeah, just on what you touched on there, who do you think is going to, take United's place then if they do fall out of the top four. I think falling out of the top four is likely if Solskjaer is in charge, whereas not very likely if they get a top manager. But who do you think is going to take their place? Do you reckon Leicester could finally finally do it three seasons later? For me, it's a coin flip between uh, West Ham and Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Arsenal have definitely turned things around. Beginning of the season, I called them relegation candidates and pushing mid-table, but after the last few results... Uh, yeah, I think they, I, th- I would put their favourites to be fourth place. I think they've just got that a bit of a bigger squad than West Ham, which over the season is going to benefit them a bit better. Yeah, you can sort of start seeing the project that Arteta's putting together as well, can't you? Like bringing these young players in is a bit more of a focus. Like Smith Rowe has been incredible these past few games. Saka, he was great last season and he's carried on being pretty great this season. Maybe not quite as uh, not quite as setting the world on fire in, in certain games as he has done in the past, but... I think they've got a lot to look forward to with the youth that they've got coming through at Arsenal. Because, I mean, let's not forget, you've got Nketiah as well. Um, what's the Argentinian lad, the young Argentinian striker's name? Martinelli. Martinelli, Martinelli that's the one. They've, they've got some brilliant young players coming through. Uh, and that centre-back pairing they've got at the moment of White and uh, Gabriel, they're both yeah. pretty young as well. Like Gabriel's, what, like 22? And Ben White's the same, I think. Yeah, so, and then you've got the full-backs as well, the, that right-back, the... He he's quality, uh, and now Kieran Tierney's got that bit of uh, competition at left back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they've got a, they've got a good squad, uh, and that, I think that's going to bode them well for the for the season. And do you think do you think they actually have the firepower to kind of get fourth without say if say if United kind of just continue as they go? Do you think Arsenal will just get, be better than them? Yeah. Good question. Um, I've seen Barcelona were after Obama Young. We've been linked with Obama Young in January. So if he goes, that's a lot of goals Arsenal miss, and unless they replace him, obviously. Um, I can't see Man United finishing the top four if they continue to play that 5 3 2 formation. And, and, and Varane got injured during the week there against Atalanta. So he's going to be out for another three or four weeks. Um, Eric Bailly actually played really well. When he was uh, when he came on, but um, yeah, I think Varane missing is going to be massive because uh, Maguire's just not up to it. Um, Lindelof and Bay, uh, I, I don't really rate them at all. I'd get rid of both of them and get two new centre halves in. But it's, uh, yeah, spend more money, 
Wouldn't you love to be Maguire, though? Just like, if you're captain of England, I don't really care, obviously, but if you're English, you just get the easiest ride ever. Have a couple of absolute shockers and no one says a thing. Like, it's just outrageous. Yeah. If I was a United fan, I'd just be fuming. Especially if I was English and a United fan, you watch him play well during the summer and then you have to turn up and watch this rubbish and him as the captain as well. Yeah, I, think it's I don't think having an honest conversation with a United fan about yeah. Maguire. Like, as, as a Liverpool fan, I find it really hard to have that conversation because uh, obviously Maguire joined United for more money than Virgil van Dijk joined. Uh, Liverpool for and I think as soon as you point that out to a United fan the conversation's just done they're, they're gonna the majority of United fans I've tried to speak to about it and I've raised that point that so is is Maguire five million pounds more than Virgil van Dijk as far as quality goes I mean the obvious answer is no but you ask that question straight away and it's like oh but it's the English tax and he's younger than van Dijk so he's got time to, it's like yeah but right now you paid 80 million now for him yeah like, yeah yeah it's like I, and honestly I think I think United were well and truly ripped off. I think any more than 30 million for Maguire was too much. I think Tarkowski, Tarkowski sort of prices is what you're looking at for Maguire. But I think that English thing came into it. If he, if he, was, if he was Spanish, if he was French, 30, 40 million. Mm. But the fact he was English, going to another English team, yeah, that bumped, massively bumped the price up. But Just off the back yeah. of him having a fantastic season with Leicester as well, yeah. wasn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, he'll he'll regain his form. Like he's definitely a good player, but yeah, I guess when you compare him to Van Dyke and that price, it's not. It doesn't really compare well. Definitely at the moment, anyway. So um, would you put him in like so, a world class bracket, Maguire? Uh, I think that's that's the main question. I guess like you've got players like Van Dyke. I mean, I guess people are starting to talk about Diaz in the same way. A few seasons ago, it was Laporte. Uh, is yeah. is it right to be mentioning Maguire in a conversation with those three names? I don't think it is. I think he's he's a level beneath them. I think. I'd put Varane in there with them. Varane, uh, yes. Varane, definitely. definitely. Uh, but Maguire, no. I mean, he's, he's got a bit to do before he's um, he joins in that conversation. Yeah. he's He he just looks... It's when he's out of form, actually. He looks really clumsy, whereas other players wouldn't look as clumsy. But yeah, you mentioned Diaz. Like, Diaz came in first season last season and just had... Like, was unbelievable. But that's just one season. But yeah, I'd say... I think Maguire suffers from the fact that he plays with... Uh, center half who's seen as like he's the better center half i think it kind of affects him especially now like when his form is down but yeah if he was put beside if he was just put beside van dyke or someone he'd look class i'd say he'd look really good i think he definitely would i i I don't think i mean don't get me wrong i don't think Maguire is a bad player i just don't think he's as good as the the uh, acclaim he gets like yes he's he's england's most important center back i mean Arguably, you could say John Stones has been just as important and he doesn't even get into the City team. Uh, and uh, what's his name from uh, Mings from Villa? He's, he's, he was bloody good when Maguire couldn't play at the beginning of the Euros. So, uh, And then you look at him club form-wise, I think he suffers a little bit from what I like to call Jimmy Traore syndrome. That like Everything he does looks like it could end in a mistake, even if he's doing something good. Or, yeah. or some people might call it Peter Crouch syndrome. Like You can't tell what his legs are doing. <laughs> yeah or uh, Sacco was a bit like that in Liverpool's defence a few seasons yeah. ago yeah he really was um, but yeah okay we'll leave it at that um, so yes today yeah Liverpool had a decent result at home 2-0 against Atletico so they're now unbeaten in 25 games and yeah it looks like they're, they're 
kind of unstoppable at the moment. Um, that Brighton result was a bit of a blip and definitely not expected after going 2-0 up. Um, what do you think about the game last night, Deej? Uh, I, I loved it. I mean, like, as I said, as a Liverpool fan, there's nothing better for me than seeing us spank a team like Atletico. And it was 2-0. It could have been significantly more. Uh, if we didn't take Mane off at half time because it was quite clear that Atletico were going to try and get him sent off for a second yellow, um, I think Mane would have got another one at least, if not if not another two. He, he was looking very bright yesterday. But the fact that we've gotten out of that group, uh, beating Atletico Madrid twice, once at the Wanda Metropolitano as well, uh, and then obviously beating AC Milan and then beating Porto so convincingly, we've now got two games where we can rest our most important players with AFCON coming up as well. Uh, we can start blooding in some of our fringe players and younger players in order to cover for players like Mane and Salah and Keita while they're off uh, in Africa. But the way we've been performing so far this season, especially in the Champions League, has been incredible. But the one thing I want to highlight for Liverpool is that this is the fourth time now we've been playing against 10 men for a significant portion of a game and we have not scored a single goal from open play in that time. So like we're, we're getting on to, a, to two full matches worth of minutes because there's obviously both Atletico games, the Chelsea game and the United game. And the only goal we've scored in that time is the Salah penalty in the first Atletico leg. So either we're just deciding when we when the opponents are down to 10 men that we're just going to manage the game because we're already in the lead or playing against less people is harder for Liverpool. <laughs> I think, well, well, obviously the United game and the game yesterday in a in a little way, they didn't really need the goal. But yeah, you're kind of right. Like playing, it seems like playing against a deep, like a, a team that's defending deep is difficult. And Atletico are the best at it. And Chelsea are very good at it as well when they want to be now under Tuchel. Um, what did you think of the game, James? Um, would you would you take Simeone if Ali went? What do you think of like how Atletico set up and they're all around just trying to get anyone sent off that they can? Oh, I mean, I, I think of They've been doing that the same thing for years now. Um, yeah. I mean, if that's how Simeone sets up his team, then I wouldn't want him anywhere near Manchester United. Um, a couple of years ago, he was he was he was looking likely one of the candidates, but but I, I don't know. I, I I seen him last night, and he just completely looked. Uh, he looked absolutely exhausted uh, at the end of the game. You, the camera panned to him, and he just looked completely deflated, exhausted. Um, but yeah, their, their team is. I mean, how how could you play against it? I mean, how could you set up a team to just to go out and basically kick the other team off the park? And that's what it was like, wasn't it? It was a uh, kicked anything that moved, uh, tried to rail them up, tried to get them sent off, um, and it's just it's. I, I don't like watch. I mean, the, the worst thing is they've got some really good players, and that's the yeah. worst thing about it. Uh, they've got some cracking players. I mean, obviously Liverpool fans will know all about Suarez up front. Um, could score anytime he wants, but it just it's, it is. A, I just don't like watching Atletico Madrid at all, just simply because the way that they play, the way they set up, the way they play, it's just that's that's like anti football. Yeah, I think it's one of them that if it's if you're in the semi final or final or whatever, you don't really care. But like you're like, how could you be a fan and watch that every yeah, exactly. week and not be sick of it? I don't think Although you can they, use they these Liverpool games as a as an example of, of Atletico in general, though, because, I mean, Atletico traditionally are one of the best organised, most well-drilled sides in European football. But these two games against Liverpool, they have just lost their heads completely. Their organisation's gone out of the window. Yes, the red cards kind of help that, but the 
uh, the only player I would look at in that Atletico team from last night and be like, they had an, an okay game. One of the centre-backs, Hermoso, I think he had a, a really good game. But everyone else on the pitch, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what position people were playing, let alone what their instructions were. Yeah, that's true. Liverpool did well, though. Having said that, how, how far do you think they'll go in the competition? James, what do you think? They're looking good. Um, I think they'll get minimum semi-final, absolute minimum semi-final. Um, obviously, depending on the draw and who they come up against. But I can't see very many teams... Competing with that Liverpool's front three are just are, are amazing. They they'll score goals against anybody, and if they keep the, all the players fit, like Trent whipping in those crosses, uh, nobody nobody's got to defend against that. Um, but it's whether they keep everybody fit. I think it's going to be the big one. I mean, one or two injuries, and I mean, obviously, centre. You've seen it last season, the centre half, Van Dijk getting injured. That was a massive impact on them. So as long as they keep everybody fit, yeah, I think you're looking at minimum semi final. And United, just quickly. <laughs> Do I have to answer that one? <laughs> um, I think we'll get out of the group stage. Um, if we're lucky with the draw, quarters maybe. Um, but yeah, it all depends on the draw for Man United. If they come up against yeah, yeah. Uh, Dortmund, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man City, all those sort of teams, um, yeah, I don't think we'll go much further. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'd probably agree. Yeah, once they come up against a, a team that's well set up and has like quality players, because Atlanta are set up well, but they probably just don't have the quality of player to trouble United properly yeah. or to kind of finish the job. Um, Deej, what do you reckon about Liverpool and United's chances? So United, I think uh, if they come up against Real Madrid, I, I favour United in that game. I don't think Madrid have been that impressive at all. Uh, I mean, they lost to Sheriff, so it's like, United are better than Sheriff. Their squad is much better than Sheriff's. And I think in cup competitions, players like Ronaldo are far more important than in league competitions because yeah. moments of magic win cup games. It's not it's not necessarily a, a continuation of form in general that does that. As, as Liverpool are a great example of that, 2005, going and winning the Champions League. 2019 is a little bit different because we were one of the informed teams in Europe at that point. But winning the Champions League in 2005 and then getting to the final again in 2007 and all our success in the Europa League over the years, I think you discount Liverpool in Europe at your peril. And I th- I don't think it's necessarily a player causing that moment of magic. I think it's the fans. I think the Liverpool fans are why Liverpool are so... Uh, the travelling fans especially are why Liverpool are so successful in Europe. Because you'll find we'll go and play at like uh, Sparta Prague Stadium or something and our 2,000 fans will be like twice as loud as the 35,000 Sparta Prague fans that are in there. And you'd be able to hear them on the telly over the other fans. And I think that's huge in cup competitions. But for where Liverpool are going to go in this tournament, I think the only place I'm willing to sort of hang my hat at the moment is semi-finals. I do think Liverpool are winning a trophy this season, whether it's the league, the Champions League or the Carabao Cup. I'm yet to, I'm yet to sort of fall onto any one of those. But I think we're going to win at least one. I prefer the league. 100% prefer the league but um, okay. yeah I think I think the Champions League is more likely than the league but uh, I think we'll win at least one of those three trophies I've just uh, I've just mentioned yeah I, I tend to agree with you especially about the Champions League being more likely than the league um, but coming down when it comes to knockout you never know like with the two games and yeah as well I agree with you on how how big a impact the fans make especially at Anfield I think I think what happened 
with Real, when we played Real last season, and if the first leg was at Anfield with fans, I think it would have been Liverpool going through. But they have a tendency, not so much this season, but in the past few seasons, to kind of not really show up away, away from home. And if that happens, obviously the second leg at Anfield is huge, but you don't always get the results then. But yeah, I think if a first leg is at Anfield against any team, they could blow them away in the first leg and then just kind of hold on to the lead if they need it. You say second um, leg at Anfield, we don't usually get the results. Do you remember Barcelona? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. But it was like that against Atletico, wasn't it? When we got knocked out. And then yeah. the Real, Real match last season as well. Should have won that. But uh, yeah, it just didn't. Um, okay, so we'll finish up just with the big derby uh, in the league. So it's United City. City had a good win there during the week, 3-1. They, they, uh, yeah, they were one all at halftime, but closed it out and had a bit of a dodgy result in the league last week. Uh, they're kind of flying under the radar as usual. I think everyone just expects City to just be there, and they usually are, and then they win the league in the end. Um, what do you reckon for this weekend's game, Deej? Yeah, I think patches like this aren't a problem for City. I think as long as they're within t- touching distance of top spot, they've, they've not got anything to worry about. But this weekend, I see them comfortably brushing United aside. I don't think United have... Uh, I mean, the performances they've had since the Liverpool game, uh, they beat Spurs, but Spurs were awful that day. And then they've had this game against Atlanta, which they went behind in. And again, it's the players that dug them out of that hole, not necessarily the tactics. Um, I think, I, I said earlier in the show, I think Ollie's done. I think it's a question of when, not if. Um, and I think... It's gonna if if United are to win this weekend, it'll be down to the players again. I don't think I don't think Ali has the mind to outthink Pep. Yeah, not many coaches do, I guess. Um, James, moving to you. You've just witnessed a few weeks ago Liverpool hammering United five. Yeah. I don't need to remind you, but I will. Um, what, <laughs> Thanks, what do you think is gonna happen? <laughs> what do you think is gonna happen this weekend? I guess your heart says. Oh, yeah. Wait. Well, to be honest, the last four games against Man City, Man United haven't lost. Yeah. So, but I think that I'm more being more optimistic uh, than actual realistic. Um, Varane out again injured, Pogba suspended. I think we're going to struggle. Um, I think tactically, Guardiola beats Oli every day of the week, um, and probably tw- about four or five times on Saturday, eh, Sunday this weekend. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's we need Man United need every single player to turn up and play to their best. And then I still think Man City win two or three now. Do you think the the fact that United have been on on such a poor run for United standards recently, uh, sort of putting United in the cornered animal position, works in United's favour? I'd like to say yes, but I, the, the thing the thing that I'm worried about Man United is, and I've said that it, almost every podcast we've done is that Man United midfield. The need, I think, they need to go out, spend money, get Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips in there for that holding midfield role because Fred, as much energy as he's got, as much running around as he's got, he does, um, he's just not good enough. Skill-wise, ability-wise, he just can't pull it off. McTominay, again, he's similar. He'll do a lot of running, but I think he's probably a bit better than Fred um, overall, but he's still not at that Man United level or the level of man, player Man United need. Um, but I think... I think they need to play that three in midfield, similar to Liverpool, similar to City. Um, obviously, Liverpool play with that Fabinho just sitting there behind the other two midfielders. And I think if Man United get a Declan Rice, sit him in there, Bruno one side of him, 
Pogba the other side of him or Van de Beek the other side of him, um, I think we'll look a lot better. But yeah, if, if, I think Man City will dominate that midfield. And I think uh, wounded animal or not, I think it's going to be uh, a lot more wounded after the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it obviously goes without saying City have the better players and the better manager. But like, sure, we saw last week at Liverpool result. It doesn't really matter. So, uh, the Premier League in general is just so hard to predict. So I'd love to see a City win. And it's great to hear you so downbeat about United's chances. <laughs> But uh, you, you never know. Topic. I mean, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You never know. All right, lads. Uh, we'll leave it there. So cheers, James. Cheers. Thank Dean. you very much. Um, yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And see you later. Find more great shows or join the team at sport social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.